Welcome to the Stylist Live podcast. You're about to hear from Enterprise Nation's Paula Hutchins as she shares her expert tips on how to launch a business for less than £100. Business has been one of the core topics for Stylist since we launched. Um, we even ran a series of events on being a budding entrepreneur and it was massively successful. After that, there were about 30, 20 to 30 readers who contacted us saying that they now run their own business. So I hope that maybe in a year's time we might hear from some of you and you hear your similar success stories. <coughs> to help you on the way, we've got the brilliant Paula Hutchins, herself a business owner and consultant with Enterprise Nation. As the UK's biggest network for small businesses, they've helped thousands of people like you start their own ventures, often incredibly for under £100. Yes, Paula is going to take us through how to set up our own businesses for less than what many of us would pay for a smart meal out. And if you don't believe me, she's brought along Martha with her, who has done just that, and they will be taking questions as well at the end. Now, Enterprise Nation's goal is to help newbies find innovative ways to turn small ideas into big success. And we hope that you're going to take the first steps towards that today. So please join me. Let's give Paula and Martha a huge round of applause. Thank you very much, Mandy, for the lovely introduction. So I'm Paula from Marketing Vision Consultancy. We work with small businesses and startups to help them grow their business, always on a budget. And I also work with Enterprise Nation, as Mandy said, working um, as a marketing consultant for their membership scheme. So for today's presentation, I'll take you through the basics of how to start a business for less than £100. Um, I'll then be chatting with um, Martha Keith, our panellist today, who's going to share her experiences as a small business, and then we'll open up to questions. So the first thing you need, um, if you're going to be running your own business, of course, is an idea. So some of you may already have an idea, you may have already had that light bulb moment, but for most people it's about um, coming to a point in their life where they think, right, I want to run my own show, I want to be my own boss, um, I want to kind of find that flexibility and freedom that comes with being self-employed, and often it can be driven by um, family needs as well. So three key ways to come up with your business idea. So first off, to identify a gap in the market. So perhaps you've been out to buy a particular product or service, you haven't been able to find it, or what already is existing um, isn't fulfilling the real need that a consumer has. Um, the second is, of course, you'll see lots of businesses up and coming now that are based around a passion, a hobby, or a skill. So perhaps some of you may already have this in mind anyway. There's something that you're really passionate about and really genuinely think you could make a viable business from it. Um, thirdly, is there an existing product or service perhaps you've seen that you think that with your experience or your knowledge you could develop better and create a better product? Your market research is your next step. This really is a key point when you're setting up in business. Um, I speak as a marketing consultant in that I have many clients or meet many people who may have already created their product or service, are adamant that it's going to work, but actually haven't given sufficient time and, and energies to this part. So you come to that point of launch, but you don't actually really clearly know who your target market is, or is there actually even a gap in the market for your particular offering. So it's really important to spend a significant amount of time here up front to save yourself a headache further down the track. So things you could be looking at or should be looking at are essentially how big is your market um, that you're going to be operating in. So to give an example, if you're looking to launch, let's say, um, a children's milkshake, perhaps it's um, low sugar, fortified with calcium and vitamin D, so obviously something that would be um, highly marketable. How big, you need to try and find out how big is the total soft drink market. 
and then how within the soft drinks market is that segmented? So how is it made up of you know, carbonated drinks, juices and milks, and whereabouts in the life cycle of the product is the milk? Are there other products that are coming up through the market that might be changing and shifts in trends? Easy to find this kind of information available online. Um, obviously, make sure they're using reputable sources. Um, good ones are Data Monitor, um, and Mintel is also a good one. Obviously, you've got libraries as well, and the British Library here in London, which is an amazing resource for finding out this sort of information. Also, to make sure that you're really um, up on who your competition is. So, depending on what you're going to be launching, be aware of your particular category and who else is competing. It can be really exciting, obviously, being a small business owner and you get very passionate and very focused on your product, but there can be a real danger of operating in a bubble and because you're passionate about it, thinking that it's definitely, definitely going to work, but actually you need to be really aware of what's happening in the wider marketplace to make sure that there is actually a position for your product. And then this leads on to the third point around pricing. So to be clear, um, and this comes out of your competitor research, on where you're going to price your product or service. So is it going to be a premium product? Is it going to be a mass market product? And obviously the same um, for services as well. Um, there's a wealth of information keep doing that. There's a wealth of information, um, resources, sorry, where you can find this information. So obviously we touched on the internet and the library, forums, social media is also a good way to find out information. And you can also run simple surveys using free survey tools such as SurveyMonkey, Wufu and Clipboard, where you can kind of sound out ideas, pricing, that type of thing. So it's all pretty straightforward, this part, and you definitely shouldn't need to spend any money at this stage. So once you have your idea and your research complete, now is the time to take your first practical step, so building your business plan. There's lots of templates available online. Marketingdonut.co.uk is a good resource where you can find um, a template. There's lots of different versions, but some five key points that you should try and get into your plan. Obviously, we've touched on the idea of what you're going to be marketing. So your market, who your competitors are, what you're obviously actually going to be marketing. Operations, so how are you actually going to bring your idea to life? If it's a product, are you going to be selling through trade and retail, or is it going to be online? Perhaps it might even be a mix of the two. Finances, obviously that's a big one, so you need to spend some time here to make sure that your product or service is actually financially viable, so that you're going to be making more that you're actually, than you're actually investing into the business. This might obviously come further down the track, but this is a really key section not to overlook. I think we touched on it earlier that some people aren't so keen on the financial side of things, and certainly I meet a lot of people who kind of skip over this part, but it is actually really, really important. Finally, just to note down under friends, um, any kind of business networking um, contacts that you might have who might even be involved in the business, if they're complementary businesses um, or perhaps anyone else who's partnering with you at the beginning. When you launch your company or before you launch your company, you'll want to register. So here in the UK, there are three main types of formats. So the first of these, which is perhaps the simplest, is as a sole trader, where essentially your personal finances are linked with the business. Um, secondly, a partnership, so if there's two or more of you involved in the business, this could be um, the structure that you look at. And third, the limited company option, which is where your personal finances are separate to the business. So should anything happen to the business or the finances of the business, then your personal finances and assets are separate to the business and therefore obviously limited liability. So for knowing which is the right structure for your business, I definitely recommend that you speak to an expert. 
the Institute of Chartered Accountants of England and Wales. They have a service where um, they have accountants throughout the UK who are able to give up to three phone calls, free phone calls to small businesses and startups. So you can just go to, it's all one word, businessadviceservice.co.uk and you can actually search by location um, and see if there's an accountant in your area that you can set up those phone calls with. When you start up your business, um, potentially, or the majority of people um, start the business up from home, obviously it keeps costs low and you get to enjoy no commute, which I think is a real highlight for a lot of people who actually start up from home. But depending on the type of business that you run, you may need to consider planning permission. So if you're running the sort of business where you may have increased traffic coming to your neighbourhood, perhaps you're um, a fashion business, you have clients come into your house or you have products and suppliers, so you're basically in increasing the disturbing your neighbours, you may need to seek um, advice from your local authority as to whether you need planning permission or not. If you're a service-based business, so for example like myself, I run my consultancy from a home-based office, there's no disturbance of the neighbours, clients don't come to my house, we meet off-site either at cafes or service workspaces, then it's not relevant. But if you are thinking of starting up from home and you think that that's a consideration, and if you're not sure, then just check with your local authority. Okay, so once you're ready to get started building a web presence, I'm sure you'll know that basically everybody needs a website these days for credibility and for showcasing your product or service. There's lots of different types of websites, right from the free websites up to bespoke websites, but obviously for today's presentation, we'll focus on the free or the low-cost ones. Um, so just detailed up here are some blogging platforms that you may be familiar with that are really easy to get started with. These are free and Blogger and WordPress are probably the two key ones that I find clients work with when they're looking for a free um, option. In terms of template websites, there's lots available. Um, these websites are very much kind of drag and drop. Um, you don't have to be tech savvy to use these. And if we pick an example... Say Moonfruit, you've got the free options right up to probably, I think, about £20 a month, so they're quite cost-effective. And within something like Moonfruit, it's great because you can choose based on a category. So if you're going to be running a business that's highly visual, perhaps you're a photographer, a graphic designer, or a handcraft business, then you can choose a site that's highly visual, and it allows you to drop in lots of images, and they'll be really high up on the page. If you're perhaps more of a service-based business like myself, you'd want to choose a format that allows you to have a prominent blog because that's where you'll be building your credibility through producing content. So the template websites are a really great um, starting point and obviously further down the track, if you needed, then you could look at creating something more bespoke for your business. A key thing when you're building your business is about building brand visibility and this can be really hard to do. So once you've built your own website, a great idea is to leverage the existing, what we call mega marketplaces, so the sites that are getting high traffic. So you'll probably be familiar with a lot of the websites detailed here. But just to give an example, so for example, if you're a craft handmade business, then you could leverage off a platform such as Etsy, where you list your products, you pay a percentage fee up front, and then you also pay a percentage on sales. But it's a great way to get your brand known because they have so much traffic driven to those sites. Um, Martha's going to talk to us um, shortly about her success with Not on the High Street, which is obviously another well-known marketplace. So it'll be great to hear from Martha. And for services, an equivalent is elance.com and also I think Odesk, People Per Hour, other sites where you can leverage off the great, greater marketplaces just while you're establishing your business. Another term you'll probably hear come up quite a lot if you're not familiar with it already once you build your website is search engine optimization. 
So this is all about, or SEO, this is all about making sure that when people go to the search engines to find your particular product or service, that you come up rank highly in Google so that you're not dropped off at the bottom <laughs> and overlooked. It's something that you can employ a specialist, an SEO expert, to help you with, but as a startup business majority wouldn't really have the funds for this. So there's lots of information you can find online. Um, Enterprise Nation have lots of blog content. They run um, webinar, uh, web, yeah, webinars and also events um, to help people, workshops, sorry, to help people work through it. But also if you simply Google, how do I optimize my site? There's a wealth of information available. Um, just some key tips here that easy things that you can do yourself at no cost. Um, to make sure that on your home page that you've regularly got fresh and quality content. So this could be in the form of a blog, it could be in the form of new products, new news, new launches. Um, that's something that really helps you keep up high on the ranking. To make sure that you look for opportunities to link or to post comments on other sites as well. And if you are going to be doing this and you do have links between other sites that you make sure that they're reputable sites. I won't go through the next couple in too much detail, but there are a few more technical things that you can make sure within your content. So to make sure that you use keywords for your particular product or service in the title and also in the content of your um, website, so that when um, Google is looking through your work, then it picks you up easily. And in terms of what those keywords are going to be, you can use Google AdWords to help you do that, or Google AdWords keyword search, sorry. So now you have your website and you're ready to sell. So obviously this model will depend exactly on um, what business you're in intending to run. But if we go back to the milkshake example, so you'd have to think about a starting point and making a list of who you think would potentially be buying your product. Um, so let's say it's the milkshake. You've made your decisions about whether it's a premium product or let's say it's going to go mass market into the supermarket. Then you need to make your pitch. Now, with the pitch, you need to make sure that it's really personal. So something I refer to often is that it's rather like sending your CV when you're applying for a job, that big instruction or the big tip of not to just send a CV, blanket CV to everybody. Um, it won't get picked up. So the same with a pitch. Try and think of or try and position it in a way that you're picking something from that particular retailer, in the milkshake example, of why your brand fits in with them and what you can deliver to them, how you're going to enhance their offering. That's really, really important. Once you've made your pitch, make sure you follow up with a timely email or a phone call. And of course, if you get interest from that person, then to make sure that you're available to meet at a time that's convenient to them. Um, these are obviously really, really busy people. And of course, once you've made that first sale, then that's the time to really start making some noise because that's when you're in business. And we'll come on to PR slightly um, further in the presentation. Once you've started getting um, business, that's obviously brilliant. It's a huge, huge achievement. But the key thing is to really think cleverly about ways that you can get those clients or customers to come back to you. It's a lot, lot cheaper and a lot less stressful to get repeat customers than it is to keep going out and trying to find new customers. Um, so some ways that you can do this, we've touched on about having fresh um, user-generated content on your website. So this keeps up interest and for you know cons more consumer-based products, people coming back to your site, and it also helps you position yourself as the expert. Loyalty offers and refer-a-friend schemes are also really good. So if someone's purchased a product from you, perhaps next time they purchase, they save a percentage, or you can start a refer a friend scheme and kind of link into the first point. But you can also invite guests that are relevant to your particular industry to um, contribute to your site as well, because it kind of just gives that broader base of interesting news to your clients or customers. Okay, so this next section, Get Known, is all about PR. So I think this is probably one of the questions I get asked most. And PR actually could be a standalone, separate presentation, but just to touch on some key points here. 
As a small business, the what's your story is really, really important. It's the thing that enables you to set yourself apart from the competition. And it's also an edge that you have over the larger corporates because they don't kind of have that personal profile that people connect with. So it's really important to nut out early on why did your brand or product service come around? You've probably seen examples that have been based on adversity or you know, a particularly strong feeling for a gap in the market. Something's happened in somebody's life, which is the rationale of why they set up the business. So it's really important to get that sorted. And that will actually become your About Us on your website as well. So it will be a key page. So once you've got that sorted and you're released, then it's a case of finding out the right contacts. Um, it's pretty easy now to find the right journalists oh, for your, your products or services. So you can use Twitter, um, you can use the internet. It's quite straightforward to do that. We'll come through on the next slide as to top tips for how and what to include in your press release. And of course, if you do gain courage, if it's particularly if it's online, make sure that you get a link back to your website as well, because that will really, that will really help your business. So onto the actual release itself, I'll just cover off these points quite quickly. So first, to make sure that you have an attention-grabbing headline. So a journalist will have a wealth of information crossing their desk daily, both physical and through email, and obviously that can be incredibly overwhelming, so you need to catch their attention really quickly. So through that snapshot headline, supported by the who, the what, the where and the why. <laughs> Um, and a good trick also is to back up your headline with facts and figures where relevant. And that, combined with quotes, can be really quick snapshots of information that a journalist can pick and pull, get their attention, and also go into articles. So that's a really good tip. You can also include, if it's sent by email, links to further information. Make sure that your contact details are clearly um, available. And also use imagery. Make sure that you use strong imagery if it's possible and if it's relevant. Again, this is another technique to make your release stand out over and above somebody else's. So small business owners, the trick is to marketing, or part of the trick to marketing, is to use as many as of the free or low-cost tools that you possibly can. And we're really lucky now to have social media. There are, of course, a wealth of channels that you can use, but I'll just cover five of the key ones today. So firstly, starting with Twitter. So this is an amazing platform with a wide reach. It's very, very fast. But it can be a great way to start raising your profile and to make sales. So some key points here on how to use Twitter effectively. To make sure, some of you may use Twitter for personal anyway, or you might have already started a business one. But it's very visual. It's very, very fast. So you need to make sure that you visually stand out. You've got a strong image. You perhaps send a snapshot line of what you do, and that you regularly update that image. The key is to be consistent as well, so make sure you're tweeting a little bit each day. This doesn't have to necessarily mean you are physically standing there tweeting or typing in. You can schedule it through social um, media management tools such as Hootsuite or Buffer. So they enable you to upload a significant amount of your content, or you could do it all, but we recommend that you upload a significant amount of your content, maybe three quarters to upload and be sent out regularly. Um, and then you can do some personal tweeting through the day, but it's just a less cumbersome process, but it enables people to always see you, you're always top of mind. With Twitter, it's not a sales channel, so it's not in that you're not going to be doing sell, sell, sell. It is a very social environment, so it's good to have a balanced mix of the tweets. So you may have some selling, but the majority are going to be more focused on social chit-chat, getting involved, positioning yourself as an expert and sharing advice. And actually, that builds a nice platform to then when you do come and sell. It's kind of one of those processes where people are building their trust in you. So it's a really, really good platform. With Facebook, I'm sure most of you here already have a Facebook account. Martha will touch on how they've used Facebook in their business. Um, so you obviously can create your own individual um, business page in Facebook, which is very easy to do. 
You can use Twitter ads, uh, sorry, <laughs> Facebook ads, which can be highly targeted. And Facebook also works really well as a research tool. So if you've got your following and you just want to find out what someone thinks of perhaps, so say for myself, I've recently done a rebrand on my business. You can ask what people think about the colour schemes or, you know, like this one or do you like that one? And you can get that immediate <laughs> response, which is actually really helpful. And it's really good for if you want to check kind of pricing or styling or an actual product concept. So it can be a really good tool to use for research. And of course, it's free. So LinkedIn is more of a business to business tool. It's a professional networking um, channel. That said, it can also be a really good way to find contacts for potentially the buyers or the journalists that you want to get in touch with. So again, like with Twitter, you need to make sure that you have a good image there. But of course, it needs to be a professional photo. If you're going to be active on LinkedIn, do try and build connections with the right people. Make sure you are actively asking and answering questions, making recommendations and so forth. And you can also use the top section with the LinkedIn, which you probably or may or may not be familiar with, to build your tagline, a personal profile tagline, and also your elevator pitch. So in a short sentence, almost the equivalent of your 60-second pitch, you know, who are you, what are you about, and who are you selling to? So LinkedIn can be quite a good one. I think, in my experience, it does take quite a lot of time to kind of get involved, but it can be relevant for service businesses, so it's not one to be overlooked. <laughs> Pinterest lends itself really well to visual businesses. So if you are, perhaps we talked about the handcraft businesses, fashion, beauty, something like that that can be photographed really well and create strong images. Um, you have lots of information or lots of resources available to you. I'm always quite jealous of the visual businesses versus service, which is perhaps a bit less interesting visually. So you've got you know events if you're at them. I know Martha's been busy Pinteresting today. You've also got your actual products, happy customers, Sh behind the scenes is always really interesting. People love that about small businesses, starting to understand a bit more about your personality and how the business looks behind the scene. Again, that's a big advantage over the corporates. And yeah, obviously other inspirations and influences that are relevant to your particular brand or business. Um, YouTube, obviously, video content. So I think as more and more small businesses open up, start up, which is obviously a fantastic place to be, I think um, video is fast becoming one of those differentiators. So it's something that is still quite new and it's something that gives you the opportunity to get your brand personality to come across. So it works well if people have to describe complex things or if they have um, behind-the-scenes footage of things, particularly in crafts. People love to know how things have been made, where they've come from. I guess that's very relevant to food and health and, and that kind of thing as well. So, yeah, video <coughs> itself is actually becoming really big. It's very simple. You simply create an account start a channel and start broadcasting. Um, just this week, Enterprise Nation have launched their TV channel, which is a fantastic resource, definitely worth checking out on their site where you've got um, professionals from all sorts of industries providing small business advice, covering everything from marketing and PR to SEO to sales. It's definitely worth checking out. There's a wealth of information available there. I think speaking from experience, potentially YouTube is one of those things that you might hold off on until you're a little bit more established because it can be quite time-consuming, but I'm sure that will get faster and faster um, as things go. So obviously setting up in business is hugely exciting. It's really challenging. It is full of highs and lows, but it's highly rewarding. And I'm delighted to introduce one of our oh, sole entrepreneur this time, sorry, <laughs> uh, Martha Keith of Love Giving, who's going to share her experiences of how she's done it, and then we'll open up to questions at the end. So welcome, Martha. So um, I'd just like to ask Martha if she wouldn't mind just giving us a quick overview of Love Giving um, and how they came about. 
Hi, so um, yeah, I run a company called Love Giving. We make lovingly inventive gifts and stationery, so um, unique and creative gift ideas to hopefully help our customers bring thought and imagination to special occasions. We've been going for just over two years, well, pretty much exactly two years, um, and previously I had a totally different life where I worked in a large healthcare company doing something very, very different. So I was kind of where you guys are, probably about two and a half years ago. Brilliant. And as Martha said, they've recently celebrated their second birthday. And not only that, they've just won Not On The High Street Startup of the Year Award, which is a fantastic achievement um, within two years. So if we can give Martha a little round of applause for that, I think it's well deserved. So we touched on the presentation, Martha, on how you've leveraged Not On The High Street. Perhaps you can give us some information about that and how that's worked for your business. Yes, I think um, when I started out, I think I thought, my gosh, you can have like a really good product, you can have a great website, and then that is kind of you know, it. But actually, you can have the best product or service in the world, but customers need to be able to find you. Um, so I think when you start out, don't think of yourself as an island. Um, when you're a small business or you're a new business, you really need to make as many connections as possible, collaborate with as many people as possible. Um, and one of the ways you can definitely get your name out there, your brand out there, is through marketplaces. So Not On The High Street um, is a marketplace you have to apply to, so they are a curated marketplace and they don't accept everybody. Um, there is a fee, which is higher than other places because they, they see themselves as highly curated. I think when I joined, um, it was quite expensive. It was £750, but now it's about 150 175 So I started on there around the same time as I launched, so about two years ago, and in that time I've had um, nearly 19,000 orders, which has been transformational to my business course created its own set of challenges when everything is a handmade and personalized product but has been fantastic and I, so I definitely would encourage you to think about where you can get your product featured and, and who you can collaborate with. Brilliant thank you and in terms of social media obviously as you said you've been very very busy and pulled in lots of different directions which channels have you used obviously given that you're a product and visual business and any tips on how people should use the social media tools without going crazy? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think this was a total learning curve for me, so I don't really use social media personally. I was one of the people with kind of inactive Facebook page. I think my top tip is to not try and do everything. So really think about where your customers are, and it will be very dependent on your business. So, um, for example, if you've got a really young target customer, Instagram might be great because it's growing really, really fast, and that's where a lot of um, young people are. You know, if you've got a service business, you know, Twitter might be better. I started out um, using Facebook and Twitter a bit um, and then recently started using Instagram, which I found has been much better for my business, which is much more visual and I probably probably should have started there first, but I didn't really know very much about it. Um, I think you do need to do it regularly. It's very, very, very time consuming. Um, so start small, but it, it's so important to, to build your brand presence and, and drive traffic to your website. And Pinterest as well, just to say, um, for people who have products, they're going to be starting next year on Pinterest to be able to link straight to your website to buy stuff. So I think Pinterest is a great one to be, to be using if you've got a product-based business. Brilliant. Thank you very much. We talked about passion and how important it is to set up a business that you love. Clearly, you're very passionate about your business, which is amazing. But do you have any tips and advice for people on... I guess, around that passion and the actual genuine realities of running your own business versus perhaps what you thought it might be when you first set out? Yeah, well, I what I would say is don't start a business because you want to start a business. Start a business because you like really believe in your idea. I think in my old job, I thought I worked quite hard and I thought, oh, I'll start a business that might be quite, you know, that might be quite fun. But, oh my gosh, it is such, it is really hard work. And that's not that it isn't fun. It is so much fun. I love what I do. Um, and, you know, that ultimately that kind of, that when you get a sale or you get a bit of press or you win a client, I mean, you feel so delighted because you know, your hard work has done that, but it definitely is hard work. I mean, 
there have been days um, where I've been working from four in the morning to midnight just to make products initially because it was just me. And um, I think you definitely have to really believe in what you're doing. Brilliant, thank you. And one final question before we open up to audience questions. What would be your one or maybe two top tips to help people on their way to success? I, I think you've talked about business planning and I would say don't skimp on the business plan. I think a lot of people think it's fine. I'll just do like a one pager, you know, I just, you know, I kind of vaguely know what I'm doing, how much it's going to cost, but really, really think it through because it really, a proper business plan. And then there's some great, if you just search for them, I think I used a Barclays had a great template. Um, and really focus on the mind, not just on what you are going to do, but what you're not going to do. And the financial side of it is actually really important. So when you start out, you you know, you, you need to think about where your money's coming from. And, ha and, and a lot of businesses don't make profit initially. And something I hadn't really got my head around is cash flow. So um, over a course of a year, you might need 500 pounds for your business or a thousand pounds for your business. But actually, if you think about it, you might need a lot more of that upfront. So thinking about how it works and really, really taking the time to do a business plan and get someone else to look at it and give critique on it is really, really important. So I say that. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Martha. Three final points I'd like to make before we move on to the open questions. So firstly, as Martha touched on, to make sure that you are, if you are setting up a business, that you do something you're passionate about, <laughs> speaking from experience and also managing a young family at the same time. Um, it does take over your life, morning, noon and night, but actually in a good way, if you're passionate about it, it's certainly less depressing, maybe, <laughs> or less stressful than it would be um, if you were just picking up something like Martha said, going into business just for the sake of it. So I think that would definitely be a key takeaway from today. Make sure when you set up, it's something that you feel really passionate about. The second beg, borrow, barter is really to say that in those initial start in that initial startup phase, make sure that you access all the free and low-cost resources that you can. In the UK at the moment, it is a really exciting time to be part of the small business world. There are a wealth of resources available. Obviously, Enterprise Nation, that's 100% what they do through blogs, events, workshops, all sorts of things, but not just them. You can Google pretty much anything. You can find small business consultants in lots of different areas that work for reasonable rates. There's lots of information available, um, so do make sure you utilise it. Another thing you can also potentially do, which I did actually when I first started Marketing Vision, is look at skills trading. So potentially there's options to trade with somebody who's got a product or, or probably a service um, that you can um, trade with that no money changes hands. As I said in the last presentation, I did actually do that myself. When I set up Marketing Vision in Australia uh, four years ago now, <laughs> I wanted my website, but I didn't really have the funds to pay for it. So I skills traded with a graphic designer, or a web designer, sorry, who built the site for me, and then I marketed his side business at no charge. So no money effectively changed hands, but I do understand in the UK that you need to make sure that you go through the tax man. <laughs> so we say that. <laughs> but that can be a good way to get things that you need. And third point is just to say don't give up. So it is obviously highly rewarding running your own business and you can absolutely benefit from the freedom and the flexibility that comes with it, but it can be challenging. I think one person said to me when I first set up, the biggest challenge in running a small business is that all the highs and the lows are on your shoulders alone. And actually, I think that really has rung true because on the couple of days where things haven't gone so well or perhaps you have a lull in clients and you start thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't have left this or, you know, and so on. But to remain positive, business plan in place, remain focused. Um, you can even pin it to your wall. If you believe in what your goals are and that you're going to actually achieve them and you'll stay focused on them, then you will absolutely achieve them and enjoy the benefits of being a small business owner. Now, I'd like to go straight over to questions because I'm sure there's a lot. We've got about five minutes to take some. So who would like to kick off? Hands up. Anybody got a question for either Martha or Paula? Yeah, now, I, I can't really get the mic to you, but if you're happy to shout, I'll repeat the question. Um, you mentioned about what it takes time. Um, 
Okay, I will pass that one on to Martha. She is more an expert in this area than I am, or rather she's using it on a daily basis. So once you've chosen your platform, um, I think you need to think about, first of all, your brand and your content. So in your milkshake example, so you might decide that that milkshake is aimed at children, which it was. So you might decide it's a really fun brand. It's a really kind of friendly brand. So you would then you would choose your platform and then you would create content. So you might talk a little bit about how the milkshake is made. You might talk a bit about behind the scenes of the people making it. You might talk about show some pictures of the milkshake. And then you would, um, depending on what platform it was, you would then use the words accordingly. So if it was um, Instagram, the hashtags are important. Don't go to the top on hashtags because it's annoying, but like a few hashtags, which then <laughs> helps people find it. If it's Twitter, of course, you, you've got your limit of 140 characters, but pictures are great. They get loads of engagement. And if it's Facebook, there's a whole other kettle of fish where um, you need to build up your following and um, create succinct posts, which again are very visual. Pinterest is about pulling inspiration, so probably about 10% of your board should be you, and the rest of it is other things that inspire you. So it really, really depends on the platform. But if Enterprise Nation have got some great social media workshops, and I went on those when I started, actually, and um, I would definitely encourage you to do that if you're thinking about starting out. Just to add to that, there's also a really, really good book that I'd recommend called Social Media Explained. It's by an American guy called Mark Schaefer, I think it is. And he talks about social media, how you can harness it for your business. And the last stages of the book are a focus on each of the key platforms with examples and of, of how you can use it. I kind of think of it a bit of an idiot's guide, but it's actually really, really good. It's really, really helpful with very um, easy to implement tips and advice. So I definitely recommend that. So that's social media explained. And the other thing I would actually do is if you're thinking of starting a business and you think you know what platform you're going to be on, get on it as yourself personally. Follow a whole load of brands you like and admire and watch what they do because that is the best way to learn. Okay, next question. Uh, lady at the front. Can I ask what your business is? Your personal stylist. Personal stylist. And your target market are? Um, so it's men, women, um, up until ages, but from out to about higher levels, high-end couples and things like that. It's really difficult to market to them because they're not on social media. I was going to say, they're not actually on social media. Yep. It's difficult to define them and to reach them. How would you say about Okay. So have you got an age, an age bracket in mind? Or? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I think the key to effective marketing is to narrow that down. So we were talking about this earlier at lunchtime. It can be, even though the, the product or the service that you're offering is essentially appealing to all ages, there must be, from your experience, if you've been doing it for several years, like a core group of people. So I'd recommend starting my marketing there. So just speaking off the top of my head, if, for example, your core market, is, so it's like dressing and styling. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So obviously we don't have much time, but I would profile that person more closely. So it's great that you have a product or as I say service that is, a, is applicable to all people, but for actually making your marketing easier in terms of both your messaging and then the channels you use, you need to narrow that down like a hundred percent. It's not to say that they're the only people that are going to buy into your concept, but you need to start with there. So if you were to say, 
um, let's say it's 50 plus, then yes, I would probably think that not that much of that market would actually be active on Twitter. So you're absolutely wasting your time. You're not the only one that comes up an awful, awful lot. Yeah. And to think smarter about where they are, could you perhaps even go back to old school basics of more of a leave behind that you might leave at places where that generation are, um, libraries, theatres, maybe even over 50 sessions at the gym, that type of thing, and just try and get back, I think, almost a bit more old school, but not necessarily old school, but Twitter, I don't think, yeah. really works. We're literally down to the last oh few right. minutes, and I'd love to squeeze in a couple more questions. So we've got two more. You first. That's fine. Enterprise Nation. All en well, yes, basically the majority of Enterprise Nation's workshops are in London. So if you go on to enterprisenation.com and look up their latest events, they're all listed there. They tend to run sessions either lunchtime or in the evenings. Their head office is at Somerset House. Northern Hub has recently opened. That's up in Barnsley. No. Barnsley, that's right, Barnsley. Yeah, but the majority is based in London. They've only recently started expanding out. There is one more question at the back. Yes. So that's the best possible tips for cash flow. Um, so I think um, doing a really, really detailed business plan and really thinking about your budget. So, for example, <laughs> thinking over the first one year exactly what your costs are going to be, everything from your overheads to your materials to whether it's just you to any staff or anything, and really, really working out. And then working out by month where that where those those costs are going to hit. And then once you've done your budget, um, working out how you're going to you're going to fund and finance that. So obviously the financing is a whole another topic. But whether it, if, if you can self finance it, obviously there are loans. Um, I think you you know about some there are some government matched yeah um, there's a f yeah so there's government matched with um, growth vouchers which is again something you can find out about on Enterprise Nation um, and if it's actually looking for cash to put into the business um, things like startup loans um, I think startuploan.co.uk Virgin startup loans there are a couple of places you can look to start they provide financial advice but also the added benefit of mentors and things like that so um, that's definitely something worth looking into. So I'd just like to say thank you so much to Paula and Martha. I think that's been hugely practical and informative. Um, it feels like we've covered so many different topics, which I hope there's been something for everybody in the room. I'm sure there has been. Um, for me, a few things I noted down, just from the basics of working out how big your market is, obviously hugely important, but so easy to forget when you get carried away with your own brilliant idea. Mm -hmm. um, the tip-off that Pinterest are going to be able to link through to buy, I think is absolutely invaluable and great one to know now and start building those Pinterest profiles and follows and likes and everything now before um, that comes in because presumably it will get so much more popular then so make your mark now while you can and the third thing that I noted down that I thought was really really useful was that three free phone calls to the chartered yes. accountants as an accountant's daughter I didn't know that so I think that's <laughs> that is very very important to know and I'm sure will be invaluable when you um, when you're working out the cash flow situation as you're talking about so um, if you're inspired you want more inspiration head down to the shopping floor there are loads of independent brands down there have a look and see what they're doing um, have a chat with them see how they got started and um, last thing is of course let's give a huge round of applause and thank you to Martha and Paula thank you. Thank you, Thanks for listening to this Stylist Live podcast. For more from Stylist Live, visit stylist.co.uk forward slash stylist live.